Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. In this episode, I'm joined by Khalida Popal and Hilai Argandawal of the Afghanistan Women's National Team to share their remarkable stories in soccer and describe their brave efforts in dealing with harassment, inappropriate work demands, and physical and sexual abuse from leaders in the Afghanistan Football Federation, whose president, who denies the charges, is now under investigation and suspended by FIFA. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Onward! Our first guest today is Kalita Popal. She's a former captain of the Afghanistan women's national team who fled Afghanistan in 2016 and now lives in Denmark. She has been the face of the Afghanistan women's team, and she recently broke an explosive story in The Guardian in which she revealed that women on the Afghanistan team said they had been sexually and physically abused by Afghan Federation officials, including the Federation president, Karimuddin Karim. He has now been suspended by FIFA, and there's an investigation taking place in Afghanistan ordered by the government. Kalita, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, hello, thank you so much for um, inviting me for the show. Um, um, this is Kalida Popal, um, the former captain of Afghanistan Women's National Team. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for, for doing this. Uh, first off, I just want to ask you a little bit about your story because uh, it's, it's a pretty incredible story. Uh, how did you first get connected to soccer in Afghanistan? Um, I started playing football in 2003, uh, where the women's football was not really, um, really um, famous or like women were not really playing football at that time because like I started in school where uh, the, the only game that I knew was playing football because I learned from my brothers. So I started playing together with some of the other classmates that they knew also playing football. And we started from school until we faced um, challenges and problems from the men outside of our school who who were stopping us for playing football, and they were telling us that this men's game, this masculine game, uh, women's are not uh, women should not play football, and it's not made for women, and this is against the honor of men. So, so yeah, that was the thing, and then and then that made us to think about the challenges that actually, because we were teenagers and we did not really realize that what are the challenges for us waiting outside. But that made us to stand stronger as a team together and say that we are standing for our right as a woman and for women's rights in, in general in the country. And we will use football as a, as a tool to empower women's rights in the country because it's known as man's game, so it's a great tool to stand for to uh, in, increase gender equality in a countries like Afghanistan, where it's a male-dominated uh, culture and society. So we started that, and we made it so many campaigns. We recruit more women to the game, and then uh, 2007. Um, we made our first appearance in the Afghanistan Women's National Team. First, uh, we made history by playing football in the 
first women's national team of Afghanistan in the in in the start as history of the country. Um, but it wasn't the easy journey. We faced a lot of challenges because the the society was not ready. And it was right after the Taliban left our country, where women were like afraid and were scared of going even to schools. Um, so that that made us like to come more stronger, and we appeared in public and. The first thing we did was um, was dealing with the football f- federation because they didn't want to have women's football. But then at the same time, FIFA was giving some sort of like budget for women's football. So we made a deal with F- Afghanistan Football Federation that you get our uh, our money and we get the right to play. And that was the deal. And therefore, from there we started. In 2009, I I become became the first employee female employee of Afghanistan Football Federation, but working in as a finance officer and head of women's football committee in the history of the federation, first women. And it was a lot of challenges and challenges that I faced. Of course, there were some people that they were supporting, but also there are people who are against women participation in any decision-making or in any social um, activities. Until I played until 2011, and I had to, yeah, I had to leave the country in 2011 April, and from there, like because of the challenges and, and difficulties I faced in my country, because I became the the voice for voiceless uh, and used football as a tool to empower women, and I was. Um, uh, raising awareness and about the, the social challenges that women are, were facing daily in their life, uh, and I was challenging uh, the um, the the power, mm-hmm. the man in the power, to take an action to do something, and I was talking more about the corruption uh, which was in uh, in the industry. Uh, so of course uh, the man didn't want to lose for women, and that was the the fight over power. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want my voice to be there, so they wanted to silence me. So I had to leave the country, and then in 2012, I seeked asylum. I made it to Denmark, and I seeked asylum in Denmark. So and then I was like started working together with refugee women, empowering refugees to football through my own organization Go Power mm-hmm. until 2016 where Afghanistan Football Federation asked me to to join uh, and help women's national team of Afghanistan to reactive to reactivate them and to also help them to build an entire new and national team and I did it and 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 I started like Going back to to the to the women's national team, and I started recruiting together with the support of, of course, with the incorporation of Afghanistan Women's Football Committee, uh, we recruited the f- American coaches like Kaylee Lindsay and Haley Carter and some mm-hmm. of the other coaches. I started like recruiting some of the Afghan refugee players who are willing to, who are dreaming to do something for their country from outside Afghanistan and of course a group of uh, women from inside Afghanistan to have a strong team the dream was to play for for a quali- world cup qualification and mm-hmm. that was the dream we come together in 2018 like uh, we had our uh, training camp uh, where my my always my challenge with the federation was that uh, we don't want 
and the the male participant who, who has nothing with women's football, but who comes like by the name of the um, uh, federation delegation of federation or representative of federation, and they have nothing to do with women's football, but they just are around and kind of like creating problems for women. And and 2018, where we had our training camp, uh, the things that I have actually witnessed and here was uh, the two male representatives of the Afghanistan Football Federation was um, was bullying uh, the girls and harassing, verbally harassing the players and um, and sexually harassing our players. Mm-hmm. So that was the, my first uh, first um, thing that I actually witnessed. So. Uh, I reported that to the federation, uh, to the federation, but unfortunately, the federation didn't take that serious. And instead of like, like punishing those men, they promoted them. Hmm. And yeah, they promoted them, and they got like one became the head of legal committee, and the other became the the U17 something coach. And and that was like, we we also um, reported this to FIFA. And um, like the uh, the head of women's football committee, the chair is chief of uh, chief of women's football committee, Sarai Barman, who mm. has been very supportive, like uh, helping me to kind of do all the legal things <laughs> to get create and to bring the more documents, legal documents. So I started like investigation to find out that what's going on, how things are working in in foot in Afghanistan football federation. And I, when I started my own investigation, I found out that actually, it's in the harassments, the, the the harassments that I I witnessed myself in, in the, in the training camp. I, actually, it's it's bigger in in football federation. And I, <laughs> the cases that I um, I faced was like the president of Afghanistan Football Federation, Kramadin Karim, has himself like sexually abusing the the players, and the very young players, for example, age of uh, 16, 17, girls, and um, and he is the creator of this abusement mm, uh, system, that it it's becoming a culture, not only inside Afghanistan Football Federation in Kabul, the headquarters, but also in the provinces, the provincial mm-hmm. uh, federation is also it's becoming a culture of abuse of mm, women football players. Um, so that was the, the reaction that I reported. And then um, when the news broke, um, so the Afghanistan uh, a general attorney took uh, an action. The president of Afghanistan, Afghanistan took action and, and suspended its two or six guys from the federation with the president of Afghanistan Football Federation, Karamuddin Karim. Uh, FIFA suspended the head on this, Karamuddin Karim, the head of Football Federation. But now we are just waiting to see the result and we are hoping that this will be this case will be serious and i'm sure this is this what we have heard and see um the cases that we have in in Afghanistan football federation i'm sure it's not only Afghanistan so many f- um, football federation has these situation problems especially women mm-hmm. but the problem is that because there is a lot of power around football and especially people who are involved in in they are very powerful people in the country for example the the president of Afghanistan is the head of, he is, is a very powerful 
person in the country. Mm. Uh, so it's yeah. So it's kind of make it difficult mm. for people to come out and speak up. So uh, I mean, the, what we what we have done is actually a great movement and great step towards cleaning the system. And today, the Afghanistan Me Too Afghanistan movement started from from raising uh, our voices. Mm-hmm. And now there are more women, more groups of men, women are supporting this movement. They are saying that it's happening. It's not only football, but in so many games and so many sports. And in, also in, in, go- in governmental organizations happening with women because of the, the cultural barriers and this taboos that if women are sexually abused, if they come out and speak up, people attack the victim instead of the the one who actually been, uh, the, for example, the raper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that, that is the challenge that most of people are keeping quiet and they don't want to talk about it because of it's the cultural thing. Are some of the players on the Afghanistan women's national team who live in Afghanistan, are they worried right now at all for their safety? Yeah, actually, they are worried, especially the women that are forced by the Federation to go to media and speak up and refuse all these allegations and support the president. Is actually, they are under pressure. Okay. And they have no choice than just going to media and saying that we are supporting the Federation and that nothing is happening because they don't have choice. They cannot stand and, and say that... Uh, against this guy because mm-hmm. he is the former governor of Afghanistan uh, one of the provinces in Afghanistan and he is military guy he has like he is the best friend with the vice president of Afghanistan which is right now right now is the vice president of Afghanistan so it's like a lot of political games in this so what what do you hope happens with this investigation what do you hope happens with the Afghanistan women's national team moving forward my hope is for for the for this investigation that government make a clear stand and 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 put these guys in prison so people women in afghanistan trust the government and get the courage that actually they, there is a there is someone hearing to them so there is actually there is an organization that they can or a government that they can trust because right now people and women are not trusting government. There is no trust. So this is a good this is a good case for government in order to to gain trust of people. That's one thing. And the other thing is that for Afghanistan Women's National Team, my hope and why I started this movement and why I took this uh, step and come came forward and raised my voice is because to have a clean system, a system, a safe system that when a girl age 10 or 12 or 16 years old come with a lot of dreams for the love for the game, come and thinking of having a bright future will not end up in a dark room or secret room of the president. And also, that's one thing, providing the safety. And the other thing is to make a kind of alert for the next president, whoever will come, think that there are, maybe there is a woman, if they, he do something wrong with the players, there will be a woman around the world who will raise 
have voice and stand up. So they have the fear to not go around the players. Um, is there a timeline that you hope this investigation will com be completed by a certain time, or, or what are your expectations? I there? really hope by end of January there will be some sort of yeah decision. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed in one of the stories, maybe it was in the Guardian uh, about you, is that you said that it's not just young Afghan Afghan women who have dealt with abuse that Afghan men have as well. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's, as I said to you, that it's the abuse is becoming the culture. And the creator is the, the president of Afghanistan Football Federation. And now the, the, the coaches are thinking, okay, if my boss do this, it means that's good. I will do the same. And there is no actually, no system that kind of... Um, ask them or question them why they are doing this mm -hmm. and your investigation the one that you did it revealed that the the president of the afghan football federation had a secret yeah. room with like a, a thumbprint uh yeah that, opening situation that's, that's where things would take place yeah i mean that's when i found out that is really i felt really while well, he has actually three he has three wives mm -hmm. and so many kids so why on earth someone will build this sort of like a federation where he has the secret room where it opens from inside with the fingerprints and from outside with fingerprints although this man has six bodyguards with big guns standing outside the on the door of federation if he is he if he is concerned about his security so what about those six men with the guns and the other thing is if you're really um concerned about your security of course it's you can actually say that uh having a fingerprint door from outside is okay but what about having a fingerprint door from inside who will care who will come from inside Mm -hmm. unless you want to lock someone inside that's my thing and what if a girl go in and cannot get out mm -hmm. um has there been any moment i know you're in denmark now you live there you've been there for years uh has there been any moment where you're concerned about your own safety i have received a lot of phone calls like warnings threats i mean <laughs> there has been a lot of campaigns where like people from the president of football federation is asking you know, people or government to get her out or get her in the country and put her on prison um these things are happening they're crossing my photos they're using all sort of uh, insults and um i mean words but i knew i was ready for this i knew it will happen but I will raise my voice because this my voice is not alone. It's my, not my voice. It's for every woman who has been abused, sexually abused, who, were, who are victim of sexual abuse around the world. I'm, I'm hoping that my voice can encourage so many girls to stand up and raise their voice and come together and be united, stay together and raise their voice and say no to the system that's around the abuse of women or man or whatever 
Kalita Popal, thank you so much for joining my show. Thank you so much. I want to thank Kalita Popal for joining me. Next up is my interview with Afghan-American player Hilai Argandawal. Our guest today is Hilai Argandawal. She is an Afghan-American from California who played for Santa Clara and recently signed with Florencia of the Italian Serie A. She's also played for the Afghan women's national team. Hilai, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I want to talk about the news involving the Afghan women's national team, but first, I wanted to get an idea of your story. You're speaking to me right now from Italy. You were born in California to parents who were refugees. Yes, yeah. My uh, my journey kind of takes me far back, not just to California, but um, to my parents' roots, Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, so what? Uh, what's their story? So uh, my parents both fled Afghanistan um, around the Russian invasion, and they sought asylum outside of the country. Um, and they ended up in the Bay Area in the United States, um, where they got married and uh, started to raise a family, had my brother and I. Um, my brother is seven years older, who is my best friend and my manager, my everything. Um, he's amazing. But um, we grew up in the Bay Area. Um, the Afghan community was incredibly um, new and young. And there are only a handful of um, Afghan families that had just, like my parents, um, sought asylum and came to the United States to give their family and have a be- better life. Um, so my dad worked, um, as a teller, my mom studied and raised us at home and, um, my journey to finding my, what I believe is my purpose, uh, which is like football, my medium, um, started with my dad. He, uh, coached soccer in Afghanistan, um, when he was living there and, when he came to the States, he obviously, the love of the game continues um, generations. So he automatically put my brother into soccer. Um, he loved the game. And then when I was born, I was basically born on the field. Um, and since then I've been hooked. Um, and so at a very young age, I knew that I was, I was a little different. I loved being around the ball, the sport, and that was very unusual for my community. Um, But it wasn't for the American community, which I was so incredibly grateful for, um, and for my parents for allowing me to explore that that path. So I was put into soccer and um, joined the, obviously the recreational leagues um, in Tracy, California. And then I joined a competitive league. And as, as time went on, I had realized that this sport wasn't just something that I did for fun, that it was something that was my escape. It was something that brought me more joy in my life than I could have ever imagined. My friendships, everything kind of stemmed from from this sport. Um, and so I knew I wanted to take soccer to the next level in, in every step of the way. So I wanted to go from the competitive soccer league to the ECNL that was just a newly formed league. Um, when I joined, I wanted to get scouted. I wanted to play college soccer. Um, and I had my parents to, to thank for to 
putting me in all of those programs. Um, and then I joined Pleasanton Rage um, and was scouted at to play for Santa Clara. Um, and I was there for four years. Had an incredible, incredible experience there. I learned a lot. Um, the soccer program is something else at Santa Clara. I've gained my best friends and I've learned a lot about myself and what I want wanted to do and be outside of um, the university. And now I'm here in in Florence, Italy, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm playing um, for Sia Florencia um, in the Serie A league. And it truly, Grant, has been um, a dream come true. And I say that, and I know you've probably heard so many people talk about like, oh, it's a dream come true, it's a dream come true. But truly, like, I had this idea of where I wanted to be, um, and I'm here now. And it, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude because I, I, I know I did this. I know I, I worked for it, but along the way, there have been people that have helped me um, and pushed me, my coaches, my family. And so it's kind of, um, it's an incredible feeling to say the least, especially because the news of me actually being able to play in Syria, all my registration going through has just happened this past week. So um, incredibly overwhelmed and grateful. Yeah, there's a lot to congratulate you on uh, graduating from Santa Clara this year and, and just signing uh, a professional contract in Italy in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Um, it's very cool. Um, and how does that work? So are you, I, obviously you're training with the team there. Have you played any games yet? So um, not yet, but we actually have a game coming up tomorrow. So I'm hoping that I can get my first um, my first cap as a professional athlete um, in tomorrow. And if not, it'll be sometime before the new year. Um, and yeah, I'm quite excited. I've been here since August training with the team. Um, definitely an adjustment from playing American college soccer. Um, but being in Italy and playing in Syria Oz, um, definitely something that I've wanted for a long time. So um, I'm excited to say the least for, for the upcoming games. Now your connection to the Afghan women's national team, how did that connection first come about? So my connection started at a very young age. Um, I joined the Afghanistan women's national team when I was 14 years old. Um, so a freshman in high school, young youngin who had no idea what she was getting herself into, um, but incredibly grateful that she did. Um, the Afghan community in the Bay Area started to grow, obviously, with many of the families coming um, to America to, you know, have a better life for their families. And the community and the soccer community grew and grew and grew. Um, and the Afghanistan men's national team began to recruit players um, from the States and from Europe to bring to the team. And the national team coaches would come to these um, tournaments that would be hosted for all the local uh, Afghan teams so that the boys could get scouted. Um, and lo and behold, during one of those tournaments, we the girls were playing in a small side or it was like just a scrimmage game, nothing too big. And the coach um, had saw me play and 
came over to me and my dad after the game and was just saying like, hey, like you should be, you should play for that VNC women's national team. And I was like, we have a national team? Like what? This is okay. All right. This is incredible. And obviously at 14 years old to be asked to play on a national team was, I was so over the moon. I was like, this is incredible. Like I've always wanted to represent a national team and to be able to do that for, um, for Afghanistan would be an honor. So I joined the Afghanistan national team in 2010 um, and joined them in the South Asian Football Federation Cup in Bangladesh. Okay. And so this story of the, the Afghan women's national team, it's something that kind of got on my radar a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the team got this sponsor, Hummel, that... Um, you know, it was pretty well known and they, uh, among other things, uh, designed, uh, a national team shirt for the women's team that had a headscarf in it. Um, there were American coaches, uh, Kelly Lindsay, Haley Carter, who were involved with the team. Uh, it seemed like some cool things were happening. How often did you play with the national team over the last several years um so the my involvement with the national team would only happen almost like in two-year times so i would play in um in 2010 i played and then two years later when the next south asian football federation cup would come along i was asked to come um represent my national team and then every two years so then up until um the past year and a half or two years where Haley Carter and Kelly Lindsay kind of took over um, the coaching staff. Um, we never really had consistent um, training camps or um, any type of communication with the coaching staff. We would just be called upon um, for major tournaments. Um, and then when the new staff came along, everything changed and it was, it was such a good step for us, and um, we had we had a great time in Jordan, where the whole national team was brought on for a training camp, and we kind of all discussed like what we're doing here and what the biggest um, step for us as a staff and as a national team will be, and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and it that whole training camp, I believe, gave the players not only from Afghanistan but the players from outside Afghanistan hope that you know what we're doing something powerful. And we're gonna we're gonna change the world from the inside out. So it was uh, a hopeful time for sure when when all of this information with the Hummel and Soccer Without Borders and funding, our staff did an incredible job raising money for us to get together for that Jordan camp. Um, and and then from then, now now everything's kind of in the media, but. Um, We'll kind of get to that later, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll kind of get into it now, if that's okay. Um, yeah. You know, as I was telling you before we started recording, at one point for a while, I was trying to get Kelly Lindsay, the coach, onto the podcast just to tell the story uh, mm-hmm. of her involvement with the team, which seemed like a really cool thing. And uh, as we were starting to go about arranging that, uh, she and the coaching staff were let go by the Federation. And then there was this run of news that came out. Um, 
and the but you know the most significant uh, news I would guess is that Afghan uh, the Afghan Soccer Federation president, his name is Karam Karamudin Karam, um, mm-hmm. has been suspended by FIFA over allegations of sexual and physical abuse of players on the Afghan women's national soccer team. Uh, the president of the nation of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, also ordered an investigation after The Guardian broke the story of Kalita Popal, a player and former captain of the team, alleging this physical and sexual abuse of players on the team. Um, you know, we're recording this on December 14th. Um, what, what do you know about these allegations? Uh, these allegations, one grant have been incredibly disappointing and disheartening. Um, but I'm going to stand by my, my sisters on the national team and Everyone in the Afghanistan Football Federation on the women's side deserves to be protected. Um, And I stand by the decision to remove the AFF president. Um, And I stand by Khalda Popal for championing this whole movement and this Me Too Afghanistan movement. Because the things that are happening within Afghanistan um, in terms of sexual abuse and physical abuse um, are not just significant to Afghanistan. I mean, these things are happening around the world and I'm, I'm happy that things are bringing, are brought to light now because it's always been about the Afghan women and the women um, on the national team. And that's the main purpose of what, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it is to give a voice to the voiceless. And for that to happen, they need a federation that holds these values um, closely um it's incredibly disheartening but the removal of the aff president um is a big step forward and i'm and i'm happy to see it because i stand by my my sisters Uh, did you ever witness any of these things that have been alleged i personally have not experienced it i've only seen situations where I necessarily wasn't uh, sure what was going on. Never did I personally see any of these allegations. However, um, these stories are not new and they have been told and retold since I've been a member of the national team um, since 2010. Um, So it's nothing new and I'm not surprised, but I'm happy that things are being, being brought to light now. Now, before the allegations of sexual abuse came out, there was an additional story about the Afghan Federation wanting you and other players, the other, all the other players, to sign mm-hmm. something, but you refused to do so. What exactly did they want you to sign? So, uh, they sent to us a, the Federation sent to us a contract, a, I don't even remember how many pages I have it here with me but a very long contract um, that they had asked us to sign. And since I've been on the national team, I have yet to sign any type of contract, any type of document that says um, X, Y, and Z. And so receiving this contract, I was like, okay, this is kind of new. I'm unsure what to expect. Um, And soon to realize that this contract was something that 
there was no way, there was no way that I personally could sign it. Um, and some of my teammates also did not sign it. Um, we, we were shocked by it. I was uh, hurt by it because the contract essentially grants, there's no terms for compensation for playing at all. Um, there's no arbitration for AFF disciplinary rulings. And it basically restricts my ability as a professional athlete um, to obtain any type of advertising boot apparel sponsorships. So anything that would allow me to uh, speak to, I wouldn't be able to speak to media at the moment if I did sign the contract. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I would just be a pawn of the Federation. And the whole reason why that, especially the girls from outside of Afghanistan have committed to this movement, to this team is because we're trying to give and we want to give a voice to these women who their voices are incredibly powerful and they're meaningful and to sign this contract would essentially eliminate all of our voices. Um, and, and that's just something that I couldn't be a part of and wouldn't stand by. Um, so it, it was very hard for me to read it and be expected to sign it because I take incredible pride in being a national team player and saying I'm an Afghan American on the Afghanistan women's national team. And I have the opportunity to you know, change perspective, change ideas about women in Afghanistan and, and what the power we have. And that was stripped away from me when this contract was handed to us. So um, everything kind of spiraled, spiraled into a dark hole after that. Um, but I think we're making big moves in terms of change that needs to happen within the Federation and not just within the Federation, but within mentality of, um, of the Afghani people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different things coming out around the same time, which sort of gives the impression at least that these might be linked in the sense of the players finding a, a voice publicly and being willing to to say publicly what's really happening inside the federation and how they're being treated is that accurate in your opinion that these there's a link between all these things coming out absolutely i think um when we received this contract grant like we automatically knew that this was a push to um stop the progress that we've been making and all of the incredible steps that we've taken to get the team together and focus on this goal of making this team better and focusing on the the talent within Afghanistan, it was it was essentially stopping it. And for this contract to be sent to us, it kind of triggered everything. Um, and we knew that if we didn't sign it, if I didn't sign it, um, the girls in Afghanistan would almost be forced to or they have no other option to sign the contract um because the federation is that incredibly powerful um so i think that the players outside of afghanistan that have not signed the contract and call that popal and the staff and Haley carter and everyone in the staff made a statement and said you know what this isn't right this isn't protecting the basic human rights um of the national team players and 
the girls in Afghanistan are the ones that are going to have to um, deal with the repercussions of one, the contract, and two, the federation. And there needed to be someone or a group of people to say enough is enough. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering how many, like what's the percentage of players on the national team that live in Afghanistan and the percentage that live outside Afghanistan? Um, when I first joined, it was mainly, there was only like a handful of us coming from the um, outside of Afghanistan. So like I'd say six or seven and the rest of a 22 squad or 25 squad. Um, and then as years have gone by, we've kind of found more talent outside of Afghanistan. Um, and then in recent, with the Jordan trip, it was almost, I think, 50-50, this like equal amount of people from outside of Afghanistan and from Afghanistan. And the, and the whole goal was to say, we're going to teach um, our own players so that they can go back to Afghanistan and teach, you know, girls, younger girls there, you know, creating talent from within. So with so much going on right now around the team, what are you hoping to see happen? I I have a lot of goals in mind. <laughs> I have a lot of things that I'd love to see happen, and I know it's going to take a lot of time, but um, I think the first thing is the protection of these women. Um, I, I want these women to be comfortable, to be able to say I'm a national team player, to have their basic rights um, not just given to them, but championed and valued and um and I think the first thing that's needed is a federation that that is aligned with that mentality and that attitude. Um, we need equal rights, Grant. We need equal rights for these women. I mean, I'm an Afghan American. I grew up in in America. I I know what um, equal rights look like in some cases for for many women. Um, it's not the case in Afghanistan, and so I. I think it's going to be a federation that says, hey, this is we're not going to tolerate any type of physical, sexual, mental abuse, but rather um, a federation that looks at this national team as a an opportunity to give power and give a voice to these women because these women have nothing but good things to say and give to the world, and they just need a platform to do so. Um from that being said, I, I hope that we can, I do see it happening, that we are going to move forward um, and that the national team will be able to reconvene and we can get together and get back to soccer. But at the moment, I mean, there's always this debate that, you know, stick to sports, stick to sports or stick to soccer. Um, it's never just about soccer, but we also want to play and we want to bring joy to these girls' lives and get the team together and build the national team up again. So there are many steps that need to be taken for all of this to happen. Um, but we need people to champion these Afghan women and realize that our voices, their voices matter. You're still very young, obviously. I, I assume you hope to still play again for the national team at some point. That is all I've ever wanted to say again. I take incredible pride in saying I'm an Afghanistan national team player. I would love to. 
But at the moment, I, I don't have that option because of this contract and because of these allegations and many, many things. But at one point, I would love to put on that jersey and say, you know what, look how far we've come and we're only going to move up and move forward. Where can people find you on Twitter? Um, my Twitter username is Halai, H-A-I-L-A-I underscore two three. Well, uh, your story is, is pretty incredible, and I realize there's so much going on for you these days, uh, uh, just starting out playing professionally in Italy, uh, the, all the work you've been doing with the Afghanistan women's national team. Uh, good luck with all of it, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Grant. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Kalita Popal and Hilayar Gandawal, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on SI.TV, Amazon Channels, and Fubo TV. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.